On July 18, 2020, a peaceful protest was held at Grace Christian School in Anchorage. As detailed in a Facebook event page, the protest was intended to make visible the hidden racism, sexual assault, misogyny, and other discriminations at the school. This occurred not long after alumni from Anchorage Christian Schools came forward with similar allegations. This is Zoom Room from Alaska Teen Media Institute, a youth-produced podcast where each episode we zoom into a different theme or topic through interviews and conversations relevant to us, the youth of Alaska. I'm your host, Rowan Pickard. This protest was organized by former GCS students Anna Stallworth and Denali Romero. Shortly after the event, they formed the Private School Justice Movement, a platform for students and alumni from private schools to share any experience with racism or any type of discrimination while at school. ATME producer Michael Stallworth, younger brother of Anna, connected with the two of them over Zoom to talk about their experiences at Grace, what inspired them to speak out, and the changes they hoped for within the school and the community. They spoke on September 15th, 2020. We grew up in Alaska, even though I live in Florida now, which is lower 48. So I've noticed some differences in how they treat racism down here than in Alaska. Because even though Alaska is seen as like this super diverse place, people need to know that racism is still there. So I want to know, like, how is your experience growing up in Alaska different than it is in lower 48, do you think? Well, for me, um, being Afro-Latino, it's a little different from the perspective that has been talked about, that is normally talked about. or um, So for me, it's like, Alaska is a very culturally Southern state for being so Northern. Mm -hmm. And even though, like you said, it is very, very diverse because of that, whenever people do say, Hey, this racist thing just happened. People are like, no, that can't happen here. It's Alaska. Mm -hmm. We're so different from everybody else. And it's like, no, the culture is still there. You know, these, because we are so diverse, you can't say that just because there are so many other cultures, racism can't exist Mm -hmm. or that racists can't be here. You know, and with everything that's been going on with the uh, peaceful protests up here, other movements that have been happening up here. I mean, the peaceful protests that just happened um, in Town Square here, somebody ripped down the black banner of Black Lives Matter in Alaska. Somebody cut down the black part so that it just said Lives Matter in Alaska right before the protest. Mm -hmm. So you can't say that these things aren't happening. It's very very evident that these things are happening. Somebody was at the protest with a MAGA hat and a rifle and a pistol on his hip. And he was just standing there mocking everybody. And when people asked him, why are you here? He was like, you know why I'm here. So you can't say that this isn't happening here. I mean, there's so many different instances. Like I remember when uh, I graduated from Northern Lights ABC school, Anna was already at Grace and my parents were like, do you want to go to Grace or do you want to go to a different school? Because personally, my parents, they said, we don't think you'd fit in at Grace. Because at this point, Anna was already having like a rough time. And they knew if I went there, I would get expelled. Like, there's no way it wasn't going to happen. So I ended up going to a public school. I I say that to ask, like, what was your experience being at a private school? Like, how was the dynamics, them actually not answering to ASD, answering to their own little private board? How was that experience different for you guys? We have nobody to go to. Mm -hmm. If anything happens, we have nobody to go to, and there's no accountability for anything that happens. 
outside of the people who do it or the people who's, who are friends with the people who do it. Mm -hmm. So in my case, when I have a teacher who is blatantly racist, blatantly in class, making sure that everybody knows that he has an opinion and we all need to respect his opinion because he's the Bible teacher or was a Bible teacher there. He is not currently there. When you have these things happen and then they say, you go to somebody else, they're like, well, did you talk to him? And it's like, he already doesn't respect me so why would he because listen? of the color of my skin. Do you think he's really going to listen to anything that I have to say? And then if you do talk to them, you get shut down and then you go up higher and they're like, oh, well, we'll look into it. And then nothing happens. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing happens. Nothing is said. There are no repercussions for it. And you're still the one who's getting the brunt of all of this discrimination every single day that you go to school. And there's nothing that anybody can do about it outside of complain, talk to the people who could fix it, and then not have anything happen in result of that, which is a pattern that we've seen, not only with ourselves, but with people who are coming out with their stories even now. Yeah. I'll say that for me, it was, you know, the exact same. In high school, I was a lot quieter than Denali was. I was a lot more scared than I was now, definitely. I got in trouble a lot for speaking. <laughs> you were loud and you were proud. That's why, like, I, I, I loved you know, being with Denali, because I just loved her spirit and her confidence and not being afraid mm -hmm. to stick up for us and for, you know, people who were like me, who didn't feel like um, speaking was something they could do. But I'll say that a lot of what I experienced had to do with, I'll say that most of it was centered around um, the students at the school. I had people who I saw as my best friends, my very close friends who would call me the N-word um, and then when I would, the rare occasion, I think it was like one or two times I actually spoke up about it to them saying that it made me uncomfortable, um, that I didn't appreciate it. They said that, oh, well, you can't really say anything because it doesn't count because you're not really black. You're too white to, to be black. So it doesn't count with you. It's okay. Yeah. Um, and then along with that, and I just had, that was a lot of what was going on there too. It was like, you don't speak like a black person. I had that from everybody all the time. Um, you're an Oreo you're not really black, you don't talk with a black person, you... Or you're not what a black, like what I would see as a black person. Like exactly. you're not what I would expect. Like you're not the stereotype that I think that black people are. You got that a lot. Oh yeah. A lot. Oh yeah. And even like, um, I have, you know, making fun of my features, like my nose. I had a kid who would make fun of saying I had like gorilla nostrils and stuff like that. And I would laugh because that was the only way that I felt I could get through it at that school. And the thing is that along with this spear chucker and all that kind of making the racial jokes and um, all that kind of thing, and teachers would be in these in, uh, situations, they would be like right there. You can, they can hear it. And and Dalek can to attest to this too, is that they would either laugh along mm -hmm. um, or they just wouldn't say anything. And you like know they can hear it. Yeah. I remember a time, went to uh, go see one of you guys' like choir things where you guys all sing together and stuff like that. Y'all started singing this like super like black song like out of nowhere, and I was like, whatever it was, and it was like me, dad, and mom, and everyone was like turning around and like looking at us, like, are they doing it right? And I was like, I was like, what is going on at this school, right? And let it be said that when this song was being sung, which is also its sisters, and if you look it up, the lyrics are you know, talking about the coil, coiliness of, right, it's obviously about black women. Um, yeah. And right after when slavery ended, the coiliness of our hair, about the darkness of our skin, things like that. And it was a group of all white women. 
um, so you can see how that would translate and be made to see be seen as a mockery of this beautiful um, song and poem talking about the struggles um, of Black women and things like that. Yeah, and also, that's not the first instance of that either. Yeah, but also when during that performance, I mean, there were certain times where people would just laugh at the lyrics in the song, and that also says a lot about the culture of what is happening there. You know, you have all these different families watching their kids. And the audience is laughing at this song, which if you don't understand the culture behind the music that you are trying to, that you really should be honoring, yeah, you're making a mockery of it. And that's incredibly disrespectful to the people who came before us, you know, so. It really is. And I, it will be said that the choir director at the time, she did not mean it and she did not want them to sing that song. She didn't, she didn't understand. Um, she thought it was a beautiful song. She really, loved um negro spirituals <laughs> mm -hmm. she really enjoyed music like that and she did appreciate the culture and things behind it but she didn't understand why the it was culture and the things behind yeah. it yeah. Yeah. so there's appreciation for a culture mm -hmm. um but there also needs to be more research done you know understand why the lyrics say what they say understand why the song was even made at the time you exactly. know um, because if you just say, I like this song, it sounds really cool, let's just have these people do it. And you have to understand that these things mean something to a large group of people. Exactly. And when you take it out of context or you use it for entertainment first, mm -hmm. then there's a problem. You know, exactly. there needs to be more um, respect for these kinds of songs. You know, and there are so many different, you know, like I said, instances of that. Um, with not just African culture, but also Latino culture, you know, Asian culture. Yeah. Uh, native, native native alaskan culture where it was just made a mockery of yeah completely and it was just seen as an entire joke um because there was no respect for the culture there was no respect for the piece that was being written the history behind it mm -hmm. why it was important to the people who wrote it mm -hmm. um frankly it was just disgusting and hurtful the way that a lot of times that these things were done yeah and yeah. and frustrating and made just made us angry it's Oh yeah. The it's frustrating as a whole. Like it's always going to be frustrating when you see something like that. It's always going to be frustrating no matter where you are, no matter who does it, it's always going to be frustrating. But the part that becomes really 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 disappointing is when nothing is done to protect the kids who exactly. have been experiencing this. When nothing is being said, at least at the time that we were there and up until um before the protest, it was like, mm -hmm. okay, these things are happening guess we're just gonna leave it at that you guys figure it out or like we'll come in and talk to the other party but not talk back to you exactly and uh we'll let you know that they feel bad about it you know that's not enough when it comes to it's these not. things and i don't think that um in the past racist comments and racist actions were treated the way that they should be treated with enough importance because when it came to that it was like oh they just like uh, they just hurt your feelings it's like no they disrespected who i am in my entire culture they disregarded me as a human being based on my culture or my skin color exactly. it's not they made a comment that hurt your feelings it's that's bullying sensitive okay yeah. that's bullying there's a difference between bullying and being a racist and also something that we saw was like being a racist shouldn't be a character flaw that should be something that you oh, need yeah. to a lot of actively go against you know it's not enough to say oh that sucks i'm sorry that happened to you they didn't mean it. You know, you have to mm -hmm. actually do something about that. Exactly. Have them be educated. Tell them why. Have them sit down with your family, even, if they're willing to do that, which a couple people haven't been willing to do that, at least with my family experiences. 
at Grace. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it needs to be treated with more importance because it's not just they made a comment or they made you feel bad. It's, it's a lot deeper than that. And BIPOC understand that mm -hmm. if you've never had to experience it or if you've never had to be conscious of the little things that happen in your daily life, then you're not going to think it's that big of a deal. But that's why you need to be educated and that's why you need to be open to listening to other people. Exactly. And it's another, another thing too, is like that's another something that we see, we've seen hugely is also um, people at the school, the faculty, the people in charge protecting these people who are blatantly ignorant or racist um, and aggressive towards people of color and blatantly spewing out these racist ideas that it's not, and when people come to, you know, faculty, other people being like, hey, like this person did something as in uh, Denai's experience she talked about, they never listen to us. No. It's always, well, this person would never do that. I know him personally. I go to church with him. I know his kids. Well, that his doesn't kids seem like something they would do. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, they did it. <laughs> exactly. It's like, exactly. so, like, about that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a lot of protecting these people and not protecting the kids who go to their school who should be the ones that should be protected. Uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I really want you guys to talk about sports at Grace and how racial discrimination and just like kids that aren't like people of color, exactly, being in the sport program at Grace and what was your guys' experiences with that? I had a terrible experience. <laughs> I played um, varsity basketball in junior high and um, uh, I say played very lightly because I actually wasn't allowed to play and I wasn't allowed to even participate in the practices. Um, for what reason, I can't, I can't say it was definitely racism or if it wasn't, um, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't like me. I don't know why. But during practices, I would, she would tell me to stand by the wall, not against the wall, because if I'm leaning against the wall, I'm being lazy and disrespecting the team. So I have to stand next to the wall and watch everybody practice. And when I said, can I practice? She said, you can practice by learning and watching. Yeah, which was fun. So I was just sitting there and then when she would let me practice and I didn't know what I was doing, she would get upset with me and be like, why are you being so lazy? And I would say nothing because this woman already doesn't like me. So what am I going to do about it? So that entire um, experience was pretty awful. And um, it's so frustrating because as a eighth grader, you are a child. A child. You are taught, you know, respect the adult. You know, don't be disrespectful, do whatever you gotta do. I was raised to like stand up for yourself, like say something if anything's gonna happen. And once I've already tried that enough times, it's like, okay, <laughs> I'll just not lean against the wall. I'll stand very close to it um, so that you don't yell at me. Yeah. I did cheerleading. Um, I also did, you know, volleyball. I tried out track, I tried out cross country. But I think the thing that I stayed with for the longest was definitely cheerleading. So I was the only black girl on the team. I was like the only black girl in the entire school at the time. And <laughs> realizing that, yeah, I was, I was in the entire school. For that year, yeah. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I had- So sad. It, yeah, it is such a thing to have to say. I had the cheerleading uniform, right? And it was the one that I was given by the coach. She was the one that picked that one out for me. Same packaging as everybody else. Everyone else. Mm -hmm. I was given it to wear and every single time I would wear it I was always called out for being shaped differently I'll say proportioned a little differently even though it wasn't 
bad. Like there were girls on the team who had shorter, were shorter and were showing more skin, but it was always me who was picked out as the one who was being a Jezebel. Yeah. I remember hearing that, uh, doing something wrong, being pulled to the side saying like, you need to get this fixed, you need to- You're tempting your brothers in Christ. There you go. (laughs) Your skirt is too short. Um, Your top is too tight, you need to get that fixed. Um, You can go and get it hemmed, like do what you have to do, but I don't want to see you looking that way on the court. It's like, give me a new uniform, you pick this out for me. (laughs) Exactly, and so it was constantly going to, to mom, to my mother, um, our mother talking of like saying like hey like coach says I need to get this fixed and we would fix it and then each time it would be something else or it would be the same thing over again even though we did get it you know we unhemmed it we did everything we could do to make it fit their standards and it just at that point made me feel like it was my fault my body was the problem um and that's not something that you can fix and so it was just another way for me to be ashamed of being black and in my head and also I had like they had problems with my hair like I remember at the time you know I used to straighten my hair like every week when I was at that school it was all busted and it was broken off because I wanted to fit in so bad um that I would straighten my hair all the time yeah and so it was short obviously because it was dead uh so <laughs> she'd be like can you put it is there any way that you could like put your hair in a high ponytail and I'm like no because I don't have enough hair and it was that was always like I would try to find a different way to wear my hair so that it would still fit but she was always like it needs to be in a high ponytail you need to put it in a high ponytail and eventually she just gave up because it was like there was no point in trying to make something work that was not going to work I remember just going there and like kids used to follow me around when I used to go pick up Lana yes because um the people in the office would tell these kids to follow my brother around it wasn't like they were just like on their own volition going and following my brother around they Mm -hmm. would be like and like, t- like follow him when he can pick me up yeah. from like play practice yeah. or sports practice or whatever. Automatic suspicion. If you don't look like the rest, automatic suspicion, oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because you know that all eyes are on you. Exactly. You know it. It's, you go in and it's like, you can feel it. You can feel it's like, oh, yeah. great. Oh, I Ooh, don't yeah. fit in. You can feel it. And it's mm-hmm. so, it's so unsettling, you know, like you go into this place and it's supposed to be a place where everybody is, you know, accepted, united, whatever. Love. Love. And you go in and it's just in the air. You can feel the eyes on you. You can feel it. Yeah, and yeah. it's weird. It's really weird. I like when I, cause I went to ACS um, in elementary school. I went to ACS. Then I went to Grace uh, in sixth grade. So from sixth grade to graduation, I was at Grace. And um, ACS is a bit more diverse. <laughs> Thank Grace. So I walk into my class and um, I was the only person of color in the classroom and I had never experienced that before. So I walked in and everybody's looking at me and I just remember feeling so uncomfortable because I went, I can't relate to anybody here, I don't think. Like, this is so weird. And so I go in and I sit down and I just felt so uncomfortable because I knew I didn't fit in automatically not because of anything like my character or whatever it was simply because I didn't look like everybody else mm-hmm. and um not to say that I walked into the classroom and everybody was like like yelling racist slurs at me but it's <laughs> just you feel it and I walked in I felt it and I was like this is gonna okay and um yeah it just continued on and it was very uncomfortable like, I even remember when Anna when you like when Anna first came to the school I mm-hmm. re- we were at retreat yeah. everybody was like we're getting a black girl. Like, what do you mean we're getting a black girl? They're like, yeah, did you see that? There's a black girl here now. Like, a like, we have a black girl. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, we have a black girl now. And I remember thinking, why 
what? It's just like, like as huh? it was like, look at this crazy anomaly. Like, do we have, we have a black girl. I'm like, what do you mean we have a black girl? Just leave her alone. Like, You're going to make her so uncomfortable. And they did. And they did. So, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, just the stir. Having a person of color, specifically a black person, be a part of the school is already a spectacle. Mm -hmm. And that says a lot. Not just about the whole thing, but like the kids who go there don't expect it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's already in there, um, at least at the time, the class that you were in mm -hmm. did not expect it at the time. Um, they got kind of used to it. And by used to it, I mean, they expected too comfortable. To, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and so it was just um, on a kind of, from my perspective, Anna kind of became a novelty of the class um, unintentionally, you know, because yeah. I would sit with Anna because Anna be my friend. <laughs> so um, I would be sitting with Anna at lunch and I will hear, like, I would hear everything that they would say, you know, and I'm like, I want to say something, but I didn't want to like step on Anna's toes. I didn't want to disrespect Anna or anything. So I'm like, if Anna's just going to be chill about it, I'm not going to say anything, but I will talk to them afterwards. I won't do it here. <laughs> so Anna would leave and be like, can you guys stop? You know, like y'all want to stop? And they'd be like, no, it's funny. Like, no, it's not. It's, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So please, at least if you're going to like disrespect Anna to her face, if you're fine with that, don't do it around me. They're like, oh, okay. And they wouldn't do it around. They'll her. stop because I said so, yeah. but then they're willing to just say it to Anna, which it just, it boggled yeah. my mind. I don't understand how that could like i'm letting you know that this is completely disrespectful why are you calling her the n-word why are you saying the n-word as a whole why are you consistently every time you go to lunch every single time without fail oh you don't have fried chicken and watermelon today every mm -hmm. single oh, yeah. day without fail and it's like can you guys just stop for two seconds you know the first time one of her friends was like oh you don't you're like you're not eating burritos and beans today i'm like first of all burritos aren't even a thing that's american second i'm not mexican i'm peruvian not only that, I'm Afro-Peruvian, so please settle down and don't ever say that again because it's incredibly disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Some people will be like, oh, it's a joke. Other people will be shocked that I would even say anything. Mm -hmm. They're just, oh, okay, I won't, I'm sorry. Profusely apologize. Yeah, like they feel so bad, but I mean, you get either or. It's either they feel extra, extra, extra bad or they're like, it's a joke, get over it. And you're like, mm -hmm. all right, I know who to stay away from then. Exactly. So like at the time, I remember, because Anali would come up to me like, Anna, like, are you... Are you okay with this? I'm like, are you okay with this? And she's like, yeah, no, they're just joking. And in my mind, I'm going, like, no, it's fine. Like, they don't mean it. Like, it's okay. They're my friends. And I just, because I was definitely someone that people walked over worse than me. Like, so bad when I was in high school. Um, and I think that was also kind of my way of learning to cope with the situation that I was in. I uh, was just being like, okay, well, if I can just, they can make the jokes. I'll laugh with them. So maybe it won't hurt so bad. So then I can get through and graduate, get out of the school without ending my life. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, Same. Yeah. Because I mean, we both, you know, it was really dark times while at that school. Yeah. Um, when your existence is devalued every day, mm -hmm. it takes a toll on you. Yeah. It takes a huge toll on you. It makes you really start to believe that like, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem here. Maybe it's my fault that this stuff is happening to me. Um, yeah, and it's like, I mean, at the, um, like, I still, to this day, well, I still kind of blame myself for allowing, which I know I shouldn't, for allowing some of the stuff to happen, that happened, um, 
happened because like I feel like I should have been someone to speak up about it I should have said more I should have done more I shouldn't have let them say these things to me but looking at it now as you know an adult I know that that wouldn't have changed anything it would have been the same thing happening over like Denali is like case and proof of that you know she spoke up and they didn't do anything the few times I did speak up nothing ever happened these kids were never never punished even though they said that they were they were disciplined fairly they never they never were they were never taken off teams they were never given any type of um maybe they were talked to and given a bible verse and sent on their way that's about it the amount of times that our situations were overlooked while we were there Mm -hmm. is incredibly alarming you know and um we've had well i've had some people say like oh well you graduated this many years ago you know they've changed and a lot of stuff has changed and i'm like yeah i i can acknowledge that some some things have changed but also i graduated in 2015 and i had it that bad yeah that shouldn't be the case Mm -hmm. that should not be the case and that should never have been the case Mm -hmm. you know graduating in 2015 five years ago anna graduated four years ago and we had it that bad and even hearing now from students who graduated 2019 what I think has made us so angry and even kids who are still in school now is that any kid is still going through what we have to go through. For me, it's so sad. It's, it, I'm, it makes me angry. Um, like her sister goes to the school right now and to have heard, you know, like there are things that, you know, kids who graduated like last year and they're still having experiences like, you know, there was a girl who, who went there and she had um, kids who was adopted and mm-hmm. she had kids who would, make fun of her being Asian, um, you know, with the common stereotypes and make fun of her being adopted. And this was last year. This was last year. And to hear these things and know that they have to go through, they're still going through the awful things and hearing these things by people who they, who are their peers, who are supposed to be their friends, who are close to them is disgusting. And the fact that the faculty isn't doing anything to make any kind of definitive stand against it, to make any kind of statement like, hey, we do not promote discrimination, we do not promote racism. Not publicly, not to everybody. They will not say it to everybody. And the thing that does sadden me a lot, like Anna said, it's just, I would hate to know that kids are still going through what we went through because we didn't say anything, you know? And that will feel literally so hopeless and so worthless just because we didn't say anything. And that's Mm. horrible. And Anna got it more from the students I got it so hard from the teachers. Mm-hmm. Just the, and I had a more difficult time with teachers and staff. There was one teacher in particular who was like, one time, I remember one time he said, slavery is over, black people should get over it. Verbatim. But 9-11, never again, right? Never again, 9-11. Exactly. So he would say that. And then um, he was telling a story about this wonderful white Christian girl who had her life ruined because she dated a black guy. And obviously she got pregnant. And it's going, it's like, why is that even a story? And when somebody brought it up, they're like, why, why do you do this? Why do you tell these things? Mm-hmm. And at the time there was one other person of color who I sat next to. And uh, he looks down at me and her and says, well, why do you think the two black girls always sit together? And by this point I was like, this guy already doesn't respect me. And this is already probably three fourths into the year, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've already, I'm used to it. So people are just, what do you mean? And nobody said anything to that. I think one person said that is incredibly disrespectful, but then she was, a woman so her opinion doesn't matter mm-hmm. very one of those people I mean yeah. he brought bullets to the school and handed one to every single person in his class and said here take this you need to toughen up because apparently standing up 
for yourself means that you're weak. And um, yeah, I mean, apparent. And another thing that I heard from a teacher was, you know, like there's always a problem with immigration. Immigration is such a problem. Da, da, da. These people want to invade our countries. They want to take over everything. They want to take our jobs. They don't want to come the here. They is. want to live off welfare. They don't want to pay taxes and all this stuff. And then I remember we were talking about immigration and he looks at me and goes, Danielle, you must have an interesting perspective on immigration. And I'm going, what? <laughs> First of all, yes, I do, obviously. But you can't just point at a kid and say, hey, you're not white. <laughs> What's your opinion on Tell this? us about that. You know, it's so... <laughs> It's so, and I'm pretty, you probably got it with slavery. Slave, yeah. Like, what's, Same teacher. What's your opinion on this? And it's just, what do you mean? And so, I mean, but it is, it's so exhausting having people say, like, why are you people here? Why do you, like, why did you come here? Yeah, I mean, my sibling gets it. Or in the last few years, she was, she would get comments and she would speak up about it. And they're a little bit more um, lenient towards her than they were towards me, which I'm very thankful for because it, it's just, Anyway, so um, yeah, I mean, I would get it from there. I remember there was a staff member who was in charge of media and ads and she was taking pictures mm -hmm. for website or Instagram, I don't really know. And uh, I was, me and another person of color were standing in a group of people chatting and she was just taking pictures around the room and then she looks at me and the other person of color and says, can you guys step out of the picture? And I went, why? She said, oh, it's an image thing. It's an image thing. Mind you, there was a teacher in that room, and I remember looking at them, they said nothing. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. And I'm going, that if that isn't if that isn't clear of the message that you want to post, it's an image thing. What does that mean? You know, like people say, Oh, well, they probably didn't mean it that way. I'm like, okay, well, to two people of color, what do you think it's gonna mean? Mm -hmm. The two people of color, the only people that she singled out and told to step out of the picture, what do you think that's gonna mean? That's the message that we're getting. Like, okay, well, you know, some excuses, 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 excuses. You're looking for something to be upset about. Like, I would, I wish I didn't have to look for something to be mm -hmm. upset about, you know? Like, yeah. I wish this wasn't the case. This isn't something I'd be cognizant of. It's not something you're looking for when it just happens. You know, like, one thing you guys, like, obviously, people are talking about is that you guys didn't have anyone to talk to, you know? Um, so I wanted to ask, like, how did that inspire you guys to develop and create the private school, private school justice movement? Like, how did your experiences influence that? There needs to be a safe space for people to tell their stories without mm -hmm. being scared, whether it be anonymous or not. Yeah. Um, but not only that, these stories need to be told. Exactly. You know, these things need to be said because too many of us thought that we were the only ones who experienced it because we were gaslit into thinking that, yeah. you know, and um, that's not okay. It's not productive. And in the end, it hurts the student and it hurts that kid who's going through it because they're made to think that they're crazy because they want to be treated like everybody else. Exactly. So when it comes to the private school justice movement, it's if you have a story to tell, feel free to tell it. You know, feel free to tell it. You can message the page privately if you want to have your story up there anonymously. If not, post your story if you really want to. You know, if you feel mm -hmm. led to, if that's... We'll stand behind you. We'll stand behind you 100%. Oh, yeah. And it's also a safe place to post up um, not only experiences, but like, hey, this is what this school did to protect their kids, mm -hmm. you know, share things that inspire as well. You know, we don't want things to be, even though it's sometimes very hard, we don't want things to be hate-driven. We don't want things to be driven um, with the intent to tear systems down, do all this stuff, you know, we don't want that to be the root of everything. We want the root to be growth. Mm 
So if you can share your story so that other people can feel safe or feel like their story is valid, that's already a whole lot of growth, you know? And okay. the things that we have been doing since the protest um, have really shown us that we are on the right path and that mm -hmm. we're not doing something that is so out of left field and that other people aren't gonna care about. I mean, right. we've um, had the incredible opportunity to actually um, be in a conversation with people on the school board, mm -hmm. legislators, um, the representatives, representatives, C the CEO of um, ASA, which was the Alaska yeah. um, Activities Association. So we've been able to be in conversation with so many people outside of private schools. Oh, yeah. And we've been told, they said, if this happened in a public school, that person would not only be fired, they wouldn't be allowed to teach at any other school. Mm -hmm. You know, they would be barred. So having that kind of validation of, yeah, everywhere else, this would matter. Mm -hmm. That already says a lot, you know? Oh, yeah. So getting that out there and just having a safe place for people along with other places that are coming up now and on social media is the first step to something a lot greater. Exactly. And uh, I mean, we feel really fortunate that we've mm -hmm. actually been able to be a part of any of these conversations yeah. because we did not think anybody would care. Exactly. We, d we almost didn't post the Facebook um, protest event. event. Yeah. We, did, we almost you did sure it. Did, like we actually looked at my phone and we were just, is anybody going to care? We're probably going to get like five people. Nobody's going to care. And then we we're just like, we had to come to the point together. Just like, you know what? Even if no one comes, even if no one cares, we're still going to do this because it still needs to happen. Yeah. And we, we had to come to peace with that. We, yeah, we, yeah. We were fully prepared to be the only ones who cared. And um, we hit, we posted it. And within 30 minutes, we had a call of somebody who wanted to share their story. Mm -hmm. And that's, and we were just, blown away yeah, we honestly were blown like... away just, what is happening so and then not even a day passed not even 24 hours passed and we had a call from the superintendent to set up a meeting you know so since that post it's just been a whole bunch of other stuff that's been going on we've been able to mm -hmm. like i said a lot of great conversations we've got to know a lot of great people who are yeah. on the same mission um, with mm -hmm. their schools um, we've had a lot of times to be together in our grief with what mm -hmm. happened with yeah. us, with other people who had the same um, experiences and be able to say, well, I, you're not alone. Exactly. <laughs> we, had, we had the same things. And the amount of healing that has come for a lot of people just through saying what happened and speaking about what happened to them and knowing that not only are they valid, they weren't the only ones. That's already a huge thing to a lot of people. So um, that's beautiful. And then like also yeah. these kids who are going to these schools still, like seeing what we're doing and reaching out to us and be like thank you so much for speaking up I now know that I'm not alone I now know that I have like people and a place to go to when I experience these things is so beautiful um because you know the mission of the private school justice movement is to share stories and also you know to end discrimination racism uh within these private school institutions and then also to help educate um, teachers and faculty on how to make BIPOC feel more safe in their classrooms. Because along with that, we've also had teachers reaching out to us too, oh, yeah. wondering what they can do to help um, to end these type of experiences within their own classroom, within mm -hmm. schools, like what they can do to add to their curriculum. Um, we've had past teachers saying that they've mm -hmm. also tried to speak up about it and they were also either threatened to be fired 
-hmm. or gaslit into not saying anything at all. Exactly. So having that kind of validation from within the system itself as, mm -hmm. as well has been amazing. And um, we've had a lot of support from a lot of people. And um, I think one message that really, really, really impacted how I felt about everything or encouraged me a little bit more was there was somebody who posted underneath one of our videos promoting the um, protest and they said, I don't regret sending my child to race. You know, they had a great education. They did all this stuff. But hearing your guys' stories breaks my heart. And I hope that you guys get justice. You know, I hope that you guys are able to help a lot of other people. And I hope something, you know, comes out of it. Because at that point, there had been a lot of, this doesn't even exist at Grace. There's no way that racism could ever happen. Or, yeah, this totally happens. So it was very either or. So having that one person say, I can't relate, but I acknowledge. Exactly. is enough you know and we even told the superintendents like acknowledging what happened is enough mm -hmm. at this like right now if you just want to say we acknowledge that these things happened we are apologetic for it and we want to make sure that everybody knows that this is not what we stand for mm -hmm. a very simple statement that you could just post on whatever page you want mm -hmm. that will already help a lot of people be like okay all right. And you know, for us, it's like, it's not about wanting their validation. Nope. We've forgiven them. Yep. What it's about is with that acknowledgement, if they really, because something that the superintendent was really clear about was he wanted to hear these stories and um, help these people heal mm -hmm. um, to yeah. fix these grievances, to fix these, these traumatic experiences that this institution has created. Um, and not only did he like put it on us to be the person to tell these people that they've heard um, that they had a place to go, that they could go and talk to him, um, which is their responsibility. It's not ours. Yeah, he asked us to send that message out. Um, yeah, it's not wild they, he said that. Yeah, and so not only is it making acknowledging these things would also help these um, survivors of the stuff that's happened at the school who've gone through so much that still carry these things to this day who are fully have kids families of their own yeah are like 40 years old and still having to work through this trauma helping them know that like this school is not only acknowledging what we went through believes us wants to help us heal um but also is taking the steps that they need to to work towards future change so this doesn't happen to any other kid in the future mm -hmm. um and so their refusal and not only refusal, but trying to put it on us to do that. People who have been hurt by them and being like, this is, we want to make this your responsibility to make a statement that we don't support these things. It's like, speak up for yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like, that's not our responsibility. That shouldn't be our responsibility. That has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with you guys. Because yeah. you have swept so much stuff under the rug that that rug is now a table, you know? <laughs> so yeah. And mind you, this conversation that we had was in July, before the protest. When I heard about this up here, I was like, I mean, down here, my bad. I was like, Anna's <laughs> doing, doing what now? I was like, you better go. But, you know, <laughs> I couldn't be here for it. So I remember having ACS first. ACS mm -hmm. got so much backlash. Like, people at ACS were freaking out because, like, a lot of kids I knew who went to ACS had horror stories. Yeah. And assault. I, you know, I, like, I, the coaches, the whole nine. So, like, how did the protest for Grace come to be? We were in my car, mm -hmm. <laughs> driving around. And um, for the entirety of our friendship, which is eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah, eight years. <laughs> eight years yeah. now. Um, we always, for some reason, we always reminisce about our time at Grace. And we would, we would always be, we would always talk about it, you know? And it was 
like, wow, this thing happened. That's ridiculous. And over the years, we've kind of acknowledged just how bad it was for us because before we kind of saw it as, yeah, it happened. All right, whatever. We're past it. We're trying to move on with our lives. You know? But we never really did. It yeah. still affected us, you know. Mm-hmm. So when we were talking about it, we said, well, ACS did their protest. That's awesome. You know, I hope that things happen for them. And mm-hmm. we had already been to the peaceful protests um, here in town as well. And Anna said, I think I want to do a protest, <laughs> essentially. And I kind of looked yeah. at her and I went, I can help. If, if that's what you want to do, I can help. I know people out here. I have the system that we need to, if we need to have a mic and stuff, like, I got you. It started, like, as a droplet of an idea, like, we were playing around with it, and we're like, oh, I think this is something that we could do, um, and then after we went to the protests in town, it was just kind of like, we, we have, have to, do, to this. do this, we have to do this, and I remember we were like, well, we can't be on their property, because it's, it's, you know, it's private property, and we were mm-hmm. thinking about it, like, where can we go, and we need to plug in the system so we can yeah. talk to people and all this stuff, and I remember being like, Right, let's just go so we drove to <laughs> we drove past Hanshu we went to the area said okay this is you know public property that's private property we can go over here we can march from here to there and we try to figure out where to start mm-hmm. and I was like we can start at this middle school <laughs> so yeah. we which is you know over there so we went over there we looked in um I walked around the outside of the school to find an outlet to see where we can plug in the sound system and stuff like that and once we had that figured out um, like there's a place that we can do it. Mm-hmm. We kind of went. I, I think this is actually going to happen. Yeah, we're like, so, we have to do this. So then we went. We found a place to hang out and sit, and we just mm-hmm. kind of hashed it out. We said, "All right, we can do this. Start at this time. Go to this time. We can choose this day. We can maybe do like I don't know. Do we want posters or like are people going to go crazy with the posters? Mm-hmm. Do, do you we know, do a march? Do like, we have to do a march, or can we just do like a protest or like a rally? So we were just you know figuring it all out, and then mm-hmm. once everything kind of just fell into place and we had the event page and it was kind of one of those wow we're really going to do this Mm -hmm. we are actually going to do this and there's nothing at all that said that we couldn't and there was no hiccup there was nothing that was in our way it was just the opportunity was just there everything just fell into place perfectly and we posted Mm -hmm. and then it just blew up from there and um i mean that which was such a blessing i mean i think within the first few minutes or first hour we had like 25 people that were already down and so we were shocked about that oh yeah by the time that we actually had the protests the next weekend we had like over 100 people uh interested or going to the event which absolutely blew our mind yeah we had like a really great turnout and it was just it was it was and it was fun we did something a little different you know we shared our stories on it i shared our stories and we actually had two we had one um, teacher who used to work there and um, also uh, our friend Merrick who kind of sparked mm-hmm. a little she bit of stuff so huge, she yeah. yeah at the time of um, George Floyd's murder she put together a whole bunch of stories um, of VIPOC who went to Grace mm-hmm. and she put them all together and said and handed it literally to the superintendent and the school board and was like hi this is happening here and you need to fix it yeah. pretty much saying I'm going to leave this with you guys do what you can but what that did is it opened up a dialogue of there's no way that you guys don't know that this is happening Mm -hmm. and there's no way that you guys can say like we're clueless i don't know why you're doing a protest there's no way you know so because she called them out big time oh she did she did in a way that we couldn't without looking like angry black woman or feisty latina in a way that we honestly couldn't Mm -hmm. so she kind of sparked that and with that and with the i think that's actually kind of what set it off is the Mm -hmm. continued dismissal after 
like a, literally a pack of paper of stories exactly. from Grace. And um, I think it was that dismissal or that um, still refusal to say anything publicly that we went, okay, yeah, all right. You're not going to say anything publicly, then we will. So we, so, you know, so we, so we, <laughs> we did the protest. It was awesome. Um, yeah, we decided so to, it was so positive. And loving the act with me. Um, we got, we got shock. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, and cause you know, we can do a march, but in the end we were like, it's in a neighborhood. It is in a weird spot. It's not really a place where people are driving by all the time and we're yeah. not going to be very visible. So we got chalk and everybody just wrote down on the sidewalk because it's a school sidewalk chalk. Um, everybody wrote down positive messages or things that they want to see happen um, at the school mm -hmm. or just, you know, just do a whole bunch of chalk art. And uh, on the road, we drew a huge speak up. Yeah. And it was so cool. So um, being able to have something there that we can leave, you know, and it's not littering, it's not doing anything crazy. Mm -hmm. It's just public property. It's just chalk so. art on public property. Yeah. So doing something like that, it was really, really cool to see all these people come together and share their stories. But it wasn't like the mood was so light. It was mm -hmm. so. Oh, yeah. Almost joyful. And exactly. it's kind of like, you know, they're so excited to see something happen. Mm -hmm. you know and it was like laughter it was and, really like, smiling amazing. yeah and people just sharing and like hugging and like being together um just communing in this spirit of wanting better for Grace Christian School wanting better for these private school institutions and for the kids that go there yeah I think that a lot of people still believe which is very interesting that we want something really awful for Grace. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we want to burn down the school metaphorically. Not the, yeah, not, not the, the case. case. And we've made that very clear every single time. Every single post that we've done, mm -hmm. we've been like, this is peaceful, not hate-driven. Every single interview that we've done, we said, this is peaceful and it is not, not hate-driven. <laughs> and we're always very clear to say that we want to see Grace become the place that they say that they are mm -hmm. and that they have been for so many other people, yeah. you know, but that, that needs to be a shared experience with everybody who goes there, exactly. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And a lot of, good actually has has come since since that protest yeah, so what has happened like what have been the results of the protest how have the alumni at grace or people that puts it like faculty at grace how have they responded to the reaction of this protest because it's been big yeah i mean at first it was a lot of like i said either or either all for it or kind of crazy this doesn't mm -hmm. happen, that Bible kind of verses. stuff. Bible <laughs> verses, Matthew 18. Like that. <laughs> uh, so we, we had a lot of that in the beginning. After the protest, um, things went a little silent on the opposition. Like, we don't want to hear this. We don't want to do that. Things actually went a little bit silent yeah. uh, on that part. And uh, Channel 2 News was there. Um, and they did um, a story that was on the news it's yeah. still on their website right now mm -hmm. if you if you go wanna on check there, it out want to <laughs> check it out it's on our social media it's still there mm -hmm. um a really great great story not um really just saying what, what we've been saying like peaceful driven we want to see an awesome change happen and uh so yeah that was great channel 2 news picked it up um anchor's daily news has been talking with anna a lot um we were able to do radio interviews mm -hmm. um i did an interview with um, somebody associated with that radio interview. She's in New York, so I was able to do an interview with her. We were able to participate in the Women's um, Equality Day. Mm -hmm. Really sweet, actually. And um, the Black Caucus, the black couple, caucus, of black yeah, caucus couple of Black Caucus um, panel, community panel um, mm -hmm. talks um, that were, were featured on were pretty great about racism in schools and then also 
Um, of course, the awesome meeting, which was also public. Which is so yeah. great, you know, being so able great. to talk to these people who are influential in the mm -hmm. private school system here in ASD. Yeah. Suzanne and, LaFrance, uh, Forrest Dunbar. Yep. You know. Getting to know that we're not crazy, mm -hmm. that we're just asking for the bare minimum here. Exactly. And um, yeah, so we kind of have a lot of things happening on that part in, in the case of opportunities and being able to speak up. What has happened at Grace, which I find very interesting, um, and it's it's positive, but I think it would be better if they said something. Publicly. You know, there's still no public statement. There's no public acknowledgement. There's still none of that. Um, so let that be known. But I can't go on without saying that they actually, for this school year, they had a mandatory meeting as a part of their training weeks with a panel of the um, IPOC who are either parents or uh, influential people in the community um, just having them share their stories mm -hmm. as people of color, taking in questions, um, talking about what they've seen at the school, and every single teacher had to be there and had to participate in this um, panel, which is amazing. My dad actually was a part of the panel, and um, he said that it was, like, of course, there are going to be some people there who are like, oh, no, I'm here, but there were a lot more people who were receptive to what they were saying and to what they wanted to see change. Um, we were able to talk with a teacher that we mm -hmm. both had and um, kind of one-on-one -on -one say, hey, this happened and something actually happened in your class. Multiple times. Multiple times. <laughs> so we were able to um, speak with them and kind of share our hearts and say, this is something that's happened. Um, I know that you're hurt that your school is getting quote unquote attacked, which is something that they used a lot. Mm -hmm. And we were able to clear up and say, we are not attacking anything. We're sharing our stories. And if that's a problem for people, that's something that they need to look into for themselves. Yeah. Exactly. So being able to kind of share with them our experiences and they were very, very, very understanding and a lot more mm -hmm. receptive to why we are doing this um, mm -hmm. now. So, and they've, they've already made a lot of um, pledges to change. Not only their character and things that they've done, which um, I actually got an apology from this teacher personally mm -hmm. since this. So she, they reached she out to me. Lot, yeah. I know. So they reached out to me personally and said, this is something that I am going to work on from now on. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge this, 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 and this. Thank you for telling me what happened and how you perceive things and how you saw this and how you saw that. We were able to clarify a few things and um, yeah, getting an apology from somebody already means a lot or even just getting that acknowledgement mm -hmm. already meant a lot so having things like that happen or having other people reach out in between them in between each other and say hey this happened here or this happened there um Anna had classmates reach out to her and say hey if I did anything I am so sorry yeah. like let me know um I had past classmates reach out to me and say I didn't realize how sheltered I was until I left Grace and I yeah. went to college I didn't realize that and I'm so sorry I wasn't able to stand up for you guys while I was there. So we, it's been very, very positive since the protest. Yeah. And um, having, knowing that Grace actually did this panel, which I believe was already kind of in the works beforehand, mm -hmm. but it was really hitting hard this time. Yeah. Um, having this panel to speak about, um, in my dad's case, being an immigrant, coming here, being Afro-Latino. They had uh, people from, they had somebody from Samoa, they had somebody from Peru, they had somebody from China, they had, um, they had local people, um, community leaders here, um, African-American. So having a panel that's diverse in itself 
sharing just their personal stories was was a lot. And um, there were a lot of teachers who came up and talked to these people afterwards saying, you know, I tell me what to do. I don't know, how, how, how can I include other kids without saying something wrong? Or how should I approach this without offending anybody? Or is this offensive? You know, just yeah. getting a little bit more education from the people who experience it daily yeah. um, is already a lot. So acknowledging that Grace is doing that in the least is, is great. They have now actually started acknowledging Mar Dr. Martin Luther King Day. They started doing that in the past few years, which is great. It is a lot more, a lot, I don't want to say diverse, but it is a lot more um, conscious of the different types of cultures that are within their walls. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of growth to do. And um, I don't think that you can continue to grow without acknowledging what happened in the past. You know, so there still needs to be an acknowledgement. There still needs to be something said. Because, you know, like we did have a conversation with the superintendent and we did, you know, boil it down to the question of, okay, so we've told you this is how the community sees the school. Everyone thinks that Grace Christian School is racist. He was are shocked. You, he was shocked. Um, and then we told him, we're like, hey, so are you okay with this big reputation of the school? that it is a racist place. And he said, no, no. Yeah. Um, but then he also refused to make a statement. So, you know, actions, actions, actions is all. Which, and Anna even said in the meeting, she's like, actions speak louder than words. And he went, I like that. And he wrote it down, but then he still won't, he still won't do anything about it. So, yeah. and I mean, these are good people, at least the ones that we've talked to directly mm -hmm. who are yes. in charge of the school. These are good people who just don't know any better and genuinely think that they're right. And used to a certain view of um, a certain worldview that yeah. they're not used to, and having people say that your worldview has inconvenienced or been the direct opposite of what we've had is it can be a little jarring to people who haven't had to think about it before. So these are good people who genuinely think that they're doing the right thing, and it will take a long time to get the results that we need to see, not just that we want to see, but this needs to happen for the people who have been affected. Um, and uh, we acknowledge that it's gonna take a little bit, but these little baby steps that have been happening, whether it be a result of the protest or not, they need to be visible and they need to be spoken about because if they continue not saying anything and they are doing the work, nobody's gonna know about it. So the stereotype of them being a rich kid white school is still gonna stay the same. Exactly. Okay. It's crazy to look at, like, I don't know, like, we're both, you know, like, as, like, believers, you know, as Christians, stuff like that. Has this experience, like, affected that at all? Like, in our faith? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a time where I hated Christianity. Mm -hmm. And um, if Christian meant all the stuff that was going on over there, I didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, it's been, it was rocky for a second there, but I, like, the church isn't a building. The church isn't an institution. It's everybody who's involved, you know? So like I have Anna, I have my family, I have a whole bunch of other people. And it's sad that an institution can completely wreck somebody's faith in that way. So right now it's kind of, I've through this entire experience and before, it's been kind of like a patch up job with mm -hmm. Christianity and being like, okay, or even with churches because oh, yeah. oh, yeah. churches is a, is a tough one for me even now you know it's like oh let's go here it's like I don't want to be with people because I have had a bad experience so with people 
um, yeah. in this in this situation. So finding a good a place where I feel is like completely safe in terms of a building or a place or a church or anything like that, I'm still very uncomfortable with that. But yeah. I'll say like through this, it's definitely helped. Like Denali said, like grow stronger in my faith in a different way um, because you know for a long time I didn't want to identify with Christianity because of, of you see the stuff that happens to you at this this place that calls itself Christian it's like well if this is the whitewashed Christianity and this is the way things are supposed to be this is how they say the world's supposed to be then I don't want to be any part of it you know um, but I still go into churches nowadays and I feel so much anxiety and I can't focus because I just want to get out of there because I feel so uncomfortable here um, that you know I found my place and like you know online and at home you know and having like my own you know bible studies and things like that but still talking to people about it like it's still hard because of how we were treated and how we were um dismissed with bible verses and things like that and that's not even just us you have so many people i'll say a really good portion of people who leave grace christian school completely denounce christianity become atheists yeah hate god hate christianity um like this the school destroys a lot of people's faith um, and these are like pastors, kids. These are kids who have grown up in church, who go to Grace, who used to go to Grace Church for a school that is claiming to be Christian once again and is supposed to help build Christian leaders and send them out into the community and stuff like that. And they're sitting there destroying kids' faith. Like that should really tell you something, you know? I want to thank you guys for doing this incredible interview. We killed it. You know, you guys are. I just want to thank you guys for what you guys did in the community, what you guys are continuing to do, and giving people a voice, giving people an outlet to talk about these kind of things. Because if it all goes behind closed doors, then nobody knows what happens in the dark, right? That was Anna Stallworth and Denali Romero of the Private School Justice Movement, speaking with ATME producer Michael Stallworth. You've been listening to Zoom Room, a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Schreckengoss. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including the Anchorage Museum at Rasmussen Center, United Way of Anchorage, the Alaska Humanities Forum, and the National Endowment for the Humanities. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of the National Endowment for the Humanities or other sponsors. A big thank you to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Anchorage and help keep our podcast going, you can donate to our organization by going to alaskateenmedia.org and clicking donate. Also on our website, you can learn more about what our organization does, listen to past episodes of our podcast, or find out how you can get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Rowan Pickard. Thanks for listening.